Hey folks, this is Sister Helena Burns from the Daughters of St. Paul in Jamaica Plain, and we're continuing with our series on an introduction to Theology of the Body by John Paul II. We left off in the middle of the 1500s examining what was going on in the world of science, philosophy, and theology, as well as the media, um, to split the physical and spiritual and how that split has affected us today and continues to affect us and why John Paul II wanted to correct that with his theology of the body, a Bible study of the human body from Genesis to Revelation. We talked about how the Middle Ages, um, which the 1500s were coming out of the Middle Ages into the Renaissance, how the medieval times, people did keep body and soul together better, um, kept the physical and spiritual together. So are we trying to say that we need to turn back the hands of time? Absolutely not. Not on your life. They may have kept the physical and spiritual together better in those times, but they had a lot of other issues. So theology of the body takes into account, account all that has happened in history since the 1500s and, and before, and it's the way forward, not the way backward. Don't let anyone tell you that theology of the body is trying to turn back the hands of time to some idyllic period, even in the 1950s, that wasn't so idyllic. <clears throat> so we are moving forward. However, if we did throw the baby out with the bathwater somewhere along the line, we do want to go back and retrieve the baby, but certainly not the bathwater. Besides, the people in the Middle Ages did not have antibiotics, smoothies, or Netflix. So we definitely don't want to go back there. Um, this is just a, a really fun, interesting note. But uh, the people of the Middle Ages, again, they didn't have much science, modern science. So they didn't have a lot of answers for things. So everything was magical and everything was mystical and religious. And um, they saw God under every leaf, which of course he's there, but not in the way they thought he might have been there. So, um, but but sadly, today we've almost gone the opposite direction, not seeing God anywhere, not believing in God. And so we'll just explain the trees unpoetically with uh, photosynthesis and, and as though there's nothing more to see there, nothing more to know. Um, so it used to be called the an enchanted world. It was that people saw the world as enchanted. And they asked C.S. Lewis, who himself was an atheist who came to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, became a Christian. They said to him, why do you think uh, people just don't, they're not enchanted anymore by our world? And, and remember, this was the man who, you know, created Narnia and, and a lot of uh, mythical tales. And he said, well, it's because an evil warlock has cast a spell on us, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. Very meta. Very, very meta. Anyway, here, here's another question. If we're talking about the 1500s in Europe, what about all the non-European countries and civilizations and societies that didn't undergo this physical, spiritual split in science, philosophy, and theology. What about them? Were they holding the physical and spiritual together? Uh, yes and no, depends on which culture and civilization you're talking about. So let's remember that North America at this point was pretty much uh, indigenous only. Uh, and then we have Latin America, we have Asia, Africa, etc. So how did these cultures look at the physical and spiritual together? Number one, 
religions such as Hinduism and Buddhism believe, they emphasize the spiritual. So they kind of believe that there's only the spiritual and the physical is more illusory. It's an illusion. So they already had a different kind of physical spiritual split. Number two, no culture has a monopoly on the perfect physical spiritual balance. Every culture, when it comes into contact with the gospel, must enculturate Christianity. That means to harmonize Christianity and their own culture. That is to preserve and encourage what's already good in the culture and purify what isn't. So Archbishop Kegama of Jos, Nigeria puts it this way. Our African values are God-given, and where they do not contradict the gospel values, we uphold them. That is the essence of enculturation. But let's remember also that uh, the physical spiritual split are us human beings wrangling with our being the freaks of the universe who unite spirit and matter like no one else and can actually think about all of this and pull it apart in our minds and um, live a kind of disintegrated life if we get it wrong. This goes back to time immemorial. So there's a wonderful book I want to recommend. It's actually out of print, printed by the Daughters of St. Paul, my community, called Reflections on the History of Philosophy by Dr. Thomas Greenberg, URG. You could probably get it used online. And he starts with Parmenides, one of the earliest uh, of the Greek philosophers, and how it's, we've struggled with this all through history. Number three, because the media um, today is primarily you know, overwhelmingly North American, you know, media comes from pop, popular media. I mean, we, we just churn out, we make so much media and we have such high quality in the sense of production values and technology. So many of the images and stories and shows and values, uh, which started off as Eurocentric and now we could call it North American centric in a sense, um, which embodies this physical spiritual split of the 1500s is being spread to the remotest corners of the earth. Our mother Paula of the Daughters of St. Paul, my congregation, used to say, if you save North America, you save the world because of this exporting of our media. Um, we know media and entertainment is one of our largest exports. So thus, what used to be a European-only physical-spiritual split and foreign to many other cultures gets embedded and spread to them throughout through the media. So in a sense, it's a kind of new digital cultural imperialism and colonialism that kind of overrides and can wipe out other people's cultures, especially, you know, when the young people... Um, think prefer uh, these these cultures that they're getting through the media to and maybe not even realizing it's wiping out their culture or not in harmony with their culture in North Korea you know the hermit kingdom what what's on the black market the most prized thing it's not you know booze or or siggies or anything it's to get a flash drive with the complete seasons of friends on it to get American Hollywood fair and movies and such. Talk about out of context, right? You know, um, <clears throat> context is everything. And number four, every culture with its own unique history and every individual person with their own unique history is tempted to make false divisions. 
we all struggle with the dualism of disuniting matter and spirit, the physical and the spiritual, within our own selves and within our thinking and our approach to everything around us. So we, we tend to like to go one way or the other, either going all physical and ignoring our spiritual side, our spiritual senses, or going all spiritual and spiritualizing everything and to, to the ignoring of the physical. So we want to have that beautiful balance, that beautiful, holistic, integrated balance. Now, before we go any further, we must understand something. If we don't understand it, we will never understand theology of the body. It's that important. We live in a sacramental world, small s. So we're not talking about the seven sacraments. We're talking about the fact that the whole world is a sacrament. And what do we mean by that? We mean that it does what a capital S sacrament does. What, so let's review what a sacrament is. A sacrament is a visible outward sign, something you can see, smell, touch, heal, fear, feel, hear, instituted by Jesus Christ while he was on earth to give us grace. What is grace? That's so, such a squishy term, right? An easy way to remember what grace is, is God's riches at Christ's expense, the acronym grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And a sacrament does and accomplishes what it symbolizes. So the symbol is a clear sign, whatever that symbol is, pointing beyond itself to God. Now here's a quote from The Theology of the Body, 1915, chapter 19, verse 5. The sacrament of the world and the sacrament of human beings in the world comes forth from the divine source of holiness as, and is instituted for holiness. So John Paul II here is saying that the world is sacred because of what it represents and embodies at the same time that it represents. So his footnote number six in Theology of the Body, right off the bat, he says, we can't just say that something is just a symbol. He said, in the West, we have a really hard time understanding symbols and symbolism because we say things like, oh, it's just a symbol. And yet symbols are extremely important. And if they're true and good symbols, real symbols, they will also partially embody what they're symbolizing. Because what do I mean by that? So, for example, we say the water of baptism really washes away original sin. And it does. But it's not plain water, not when it's done by um, with the words intending to baptize someone in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the seven sacraments, for example, are God working powerfully through matter for our good, for our salvation, to change our reality as only God can. A sacrament works in a mysterious, unseen way, but its fruits and results are always manifested. So when we talk about having a sacramental worldview, which we should, we mean that like the seven sacraments, the world is revealing God to us. It's pointing beyond itself to God. So it is what it is. A tree is a tree. It uses photosynthesis, et cetera, et cetera, but it is so much more. But more than anything else in creation, the human body reveals God because only it in all of creation is made in the image of God. And not only that, our human bodies reveal our souls. 
So the body is the sacrament of the soul. And John Paul II, the, his, probably his most famous quote in all of his theology of the body says, the human body and it alone reveals the invisible, makes the visible, makes the invisible visible. It reveals the divine and the spiritual, meaning it reveals God and it reveals our own souls, which interestingly enough is the purpose of art. Aristotle said that art is to make the invisible visible, reveal something to us that we, we aren't seeing and we need to know and see. So again, it is what it is. A sacrament is a, is a thing of a physical object. It is what it is, but it's something more. It points to something more. It points to something beyond itself. So we're going to leave it here, but we have a lot more to say about sacrament, uh, sacraments, sacramentality, and a sacramental worldview. Until next time, God bless.